Kansas City's talk show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rocking the driver's seat. From barn fresh to concour ready, Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news and the biggest names in rolling thunder right in your ears. Let's welcome your show hosts, 30-plus year radio veteran, author, playwright, lousy karaoke singer, and lover of fat and freaky American classic cars, Mark Catfish Groves, and freelance automotive journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Road, Road Muscle, Muscle Radio is on the air. Welcome back. Buckle up, then be sure to check out Road Muscle Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and at RoadMuscleRadio.com for links, our blog, and of course, our podcast. I'm Catfish Groves. And I'm Brett Hatfield. And coming up in this show, we're going to talk about cars that you might want to electromod. Not restomod, electromod. It's electric. Also, uh, <laughs> boogie, woogie, woogie. we're going to do uh, talk about the situation at hand for buying cars because it's affecting all all of the auctions, all the shows, and what is kind of the good side and not good side of what that's doing for we who want to buy one. And that I'm talking about me, if you didn't realize that already. Well, <laughs> and here's one thing. Some of the rules don't change no matter what. And then our special guest for this show, I, I'm really excited. It's a guy. Oh, boy. We're having a guy. You, you might not know who that is by that. Just a random guy? It's a guy, capital A, capital G. He's the host. His name is Derek Bieri, and Derek is the host of Vice Grip Garage on YouTube. He's got 231,000 subscribers who want to Jeez. check out this guy digging into dead old cars, getting them running, driving them home at the risk of his own life, and making you laugh while you do it. Brett, I wanted to say thank you. Brett stopped by my house today before the recording session. And oh, oh look what I have. Oh, in, look, see my look little at that skull shot glass? Yes. Uh, I, took a, I took a little still life with modeled cars uh, in front of my computer because this is, a, this is delicious and it's, uh, it's cask mates. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Oh, it's so <laughs> Time good. to drink and drive, kitty. Yeah, don't mind me. <laughs> you just start talking. I'm going to be around everything. But, uh, so in car activity this week, uh, did you manage to do anything? Did you go hunt down any weirdness? Find you know, anything cool? There's still my main three have not sold yet. I did finally talk to one guy, the dude down in uh, Fort Worth. Now I lived, I lived in Dallas for ten years, and there's Dallas, and then there's Fort Worth because mm-hmm. uh, everybody in Dallas is from Ohio and New York, but Fort Worth is where the real Texans live. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I, uh, I'll never forget that. It's kind of like how Kansas City is the Fort Worth of St. Louis. St. Louis uh-huh. wants to be Chicago, and Kansas City wants to be left the f alone. So, uh, <laughs> and I kind of appreciate yeah. the the attitude. You know what I'm saying? I, I agree fully. <laughs> so down there in Fort Worth, uh, this fella still has that '64 Merc. It, it kind of went to Oddsville a little bit there. I finally talked to a real human being about it. Uh, very nice guy, and he gave me the name of the other guy who I guess actually owns the car. Very nice guy. Oh boy! And over the weekend, you know, we we had been texting back and forth. Hey man, wait, are you able to get any pictures of that? Because there's all these really nice pictures of the interior and the outside. Uh-huh. I'd like to see the trunk. I'd like to see it under the hood because right now you really can't go and look at it yourself. Here and, we go. And if I'm going to get it shipped, I really want a, a whole thing top bottom and give me a video. 
And, uh, you know, I might take a chance, especially because it's kind of in my price range. However, this weekend, the guy sends me a text, right? And it's a video link. And I'm like, oh, cool. It's going to be the car running. No, it's not. It's a YouTube video of a preacher. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. The, the last breezeway, the one in Arkansas. Oh, the 65. Yeah, the 65 yeah. Uh, Mercury Monterey breezeway. He was a preacher, too. And guess where he went from Arkansas? He went oh, to no, Texas. No. I'm starting to see his circle here. So uh, I think you've been sucked into the Mercury breezeway black hole. <laughs> I know, right? So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. You know, I'm trying to give people the benefit of a doubt, but it's a lot of doubt to benefit them. So if that really falls through, then I'll start talking to that lady about that 1960 Newport. Oh, that sweet whale shark up there that really needs me badly. You find one that you're convinced you can pull the trigger on and it won't make your heart hurt afterward. I'll hook up a trailer and go get it with you, brother, but you got to make sure. And also, I'm starting to grow up a little bit because my expectations were a little larger than my budget. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have to figure out that, yeah, I'm not going to be able to drive it everywhere across the United States of America, but... If I can drive it to some local car shows within 150, 200 mile radius, I, I think I ought to really ought to count my blessings on that. And, and we're going to get you a Myers Manx dune buggy, and you're going to be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, how about you? Uh, I have a hot rod, but I also have a hot rod Harley, and oh, that hot yeah. rod Harley has a, a fresh rebuild on the engine in it. May have had a little bit more pep added to it, a few more cubic inches added to it. Now, how many horsepower been... are you talking? Well, Harley's <laughs> of that of that era came with about fifty three or fifty five. Not a lot. Yeah. This one we're guessing is around ninety five or a hundred now. Oh uh, damn! And you didn't double. Quite you didn't double more. the cubic inches. You just doubled. no, 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 no. <laughs> we did. We added a few cubic inches. Not a lot. Not a lot. And no. we also may have added a, a ton of compression and carb <laughs> cams, everything else. How was driving anyway, in the rain today? <laughs> Uh, it's it's a little like having somebody sit on your handlebars and tattoo your face. It was, it was like that one scene in Platoon where it's just shots and everything. You're going, why? Uh, uh, well, uh, got caught in the rain bringing you that, that lovely bottle. Oh, anyway, bless your heart. Uh, got the engine broken in on that this weekend and got to really get on it for the first time. And oh, there's a little Jekyll and Hyde act that takes place on that bike ride around four grand. <laughs> and I like it. Did you feel better <laughs> afterwards? Was Were you lighter oh, I, in spirit? Yes, I feel I feel absolutely justified in everything I've done. <laughs> my, my, my life is right now. <laughs> uh, you had you had me at oh, hell. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, it uh, that that first really hard push in first gear from four to six grand, that thing came on like a monster. And six grand is about all the all the RPMs you want to crank out of a Harley. So if you were uh, in the Kansas City area about that time and you saw some guy that was one hundred percent grin, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was Brett, and he probably guilty. went by you pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> Again, guilty. Guilty's job. Uh, I know that I looked down at the end of third gear, and I was in extra legal territory anywhere in the country. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, yes, uh, possibly, possibly, and, and, part, and parts of Mexico. Nice. Well, let's. Uh, we, we've both had some pretty good days. Let's get into the news from CarScoops.com. They had an article. 
just a couple of days ago by Christian Natikov. What classic car would you electromod and why? Now, I like the article, although I'm not a big, big dude on the whole, well, you know, it's, it's the thing to do is to go electric and you got to do this and that. And there was just a kiss of preachy to it that I'm like, no, 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 no. But after talking to Icon 4x4 and John out there and finding out, you know, what you could do with a Merc with uh, electrics in it. And I'm like, sweet uh-huh. mother of God, this is actually really freaking cool. But, uh-huh. you know, uh, speaking of John. With what he's doing, he's finding all these post-World War II, but really before the uh, the mid-50s, these kind of swoopy lumps of automobiles and making them cool. And I got to admit, that's where if I was going to rest them on something, because uh, they, they talk about in the article, like a 1960s Ford Mustang comes to mind. Uh, it has a four a combined output of 469 horsepower, 885 pound-foot of torque. Uh, it can hit 60 miles per hour in four seconds. And supposedly it has a 200-mile driving range. And I think you and I have talked before and with other uh, podcasters and with other car enthusiasts about the idea that the dichotomy, the strongest dichotomy, is that in the older vehicles, people drive them to feel what it was like to drive them. Yeah. You know, to feel that wheel, that big ass wheel, and you've got those hydraulic brakes and this and that, and to experience what it was like to actually drive this car when it was made. Now, I can appreciate Rustamods, kind of like your uh, your 61 Impala, because believe me, the the fellas in 1961 and 65, et cetera, who would have owned one of those would have gone, oh, yeah, give me that. That'll work. Absolutely. I'm in. But um, there's the feel of the driving, and when you put an electric in, it completely changes it. Completely. (sighs) It it does, and you touched on something. You know, I've I've got those two old cars. I got the old Corvette, and I got the old Impala. The old Impala, granted, it's got a four hundred nine in it and a four speed, but it also has power steering, power brakes, AC, great stereo, rides really nice, terrific suspension. So I understand the update. I really do. I drive the Corvette to have that feeling of what was of what once once was and quick story if we got time for it Rhonda and i are in vale with that corvette and we're driving down i-70 vale uh, from copper mountain to vale yep i got the top up on the car speed limit in the mountains is 70 75 we're doing 80 so we're not really speeding allegedly but i am doing my level best to keep that sucker in one lane and keep going straight and do all the things that i need to do and make sure i got braking distance and everything else I look over to my right, or to, pardon me, to my left. A yawning mom in a Mazda Sport Ute is drinking a <laughs> cup of coffee, driving by me, one hand on the wheel. Couldn't look more bored. I feel like I'm driving at Le Mans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that summed it up in one shot. <laughs> there's, there's something to be said for a few mods and updates. So the electrification, I get, I even have in mind what I would do it to if it was up to me. All right. Yeah. Okay. You, because we both talked a lot about uh, electrics and I'm probably a little more fond of them than you are, but if you could, what's the one? Name a couple of models. 39 Ford Cabriolet. Really? Yeah. 39. Nice. 39 Ford Cabriolet. I'd put the uh, radial wide whites on it. I'd leave the steel wheels and the hubcaps. 
but I'd electrify everything else on it. And I, I just think it would be really, really cool. <laughs> With a few, you know, several hundred horsepower, maybe up above a grand. They've got those. Well, Remember when we were talking with John, uh, we got, uh, after the, the interview, we talked about a couple of the newer fangled engines they've got coming out that are like snap-ons, man. They're like Legos, just junk, junk, junk. And for 22 pounds, you get 300 horse. So you drop, you know. And that's coming, I think. I think we're going to wind up having, uh, a whole aftermarket that revolves around easy install electric conversions. Uh, if plug and play, baby, literally plug and play. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah. I, I picked four different ones, but they're all in the same family. And I think you'll, you'll go, Oh, really, Mark? I'm so not surprised. Uh, my, <laughs> my first was a, Chrysler this, Chrysler that. Pretty close. That. Although one became a Ford, they didn't actually have the name of Chrysler, um, or Ford, a Studebaker Hawk. From like 1957 mm-hmm. to 62 with the kind of down swoopy thing. Those oh, just yeah. look like they ought to be electrified. It, nothing about that. Even though they had a 289 in it, those, a Studebaker 289, which I discovered recently is not a Ford 289 in it. No. Pretty much any way, shape com- or form. Completely different deal. Oh yeah. And I, here I thought it was like, oh, I could just trade it out for a must. No, no, Mark, you're stupid. You'd know. No. But a Studebaker no. Hawk or even a Studebaker Lark, cause they're yes. ugly and nerdy. And just paint it black and stick a bunch of electric in it and make it spin the tires a lot with lots of smoke. I would like that very much. Did you go completely off the wheels and do Studebaker pickup? No, I didn't. Studebaker, you know, as much as I love some of the ugliest turds on wheels, I, uh, I'm not a fan of the, the Studebaker trucks. And it, they and, made, and it shames me to say stuff. that out loud. Yeah, it was interesting, but it was just like, yeah, it's kind of like those, uh, not IHOP. What are the international harvesters? The uh, international yes, harvester IH. pickups. It's like, you know what? Oh, you're the ugliest dog in the kennel and I know somebody's going to love you, but it's not me. You know, uh, <laughs> as, as so many Chrysler and DeSoto products proved, somebody will love it. There's a <laughs> mistakes were made, it, but somebody will love you it. You know, the, you know, the saying in the car biz, there's a butt for every seat. Yeah, yeah, and, and they did sell. Now, the other two that I had are both Nashes. Uh, the Nash Metropolitan really? from 55 to 62, little bitty thing. And that kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. Well, it wouldn't uh, take a whole lot to, to no. make that car go like hell. Imagine one of those 22-pound motors. Now, you've got, you know, 8,000 pounds of batteries, but a 22-pound motor putting out 300 horse. You hook yeah, that I up think to some you might want to take the rheostat and turn that down just a little. Just crank it down just a little bit. And then uh, for, the other one was for Nash. a car that originally came with a Toro lawnmower engine. You may want to turn that down. <laughs> you had to go in the front and pull start it. <laughs> um, the Nash Rambler, 1950 to 55. The early ones, not the AMC Ramblers. The early ones that had that little oval and they were kind of schlumpy. They look like they should be a slipper. Yes. You know, Ward Cleaver should put those cars on his feet. Uh, yeah, June should be waiting with a pair of Nash Ramblers and a pipe. <laughs> Two more. The Lotus Europa you showed me. That would be an ideal electric. You know, yeah, I found one on Facebook uh, Marketplace because, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm out swimming in the in the shallow waters. And uh, that thing would be perfect. It I would. think it would be, too. And one I've already seen done, and I really liked the idea, was a Porsche 356 Speedster replica done with electric. You, if it's and a replica, yep. The replica is just know, a Volkswagen. Yeah. 
Now, you want to just take your average VW rust bucket, make sure the pan's solid, and go to town. <laughs> now, Brett, as we look at the uh, the pandemic that's going on and with the changes that have come in, apparently the collector car market you can actually find it, it, some stuff if you do homework. You can. And like I said, some of the rules that have always been things to consider still are during the pandemic. You always want to do maximum homework. And I love this. We found this article and it's by Andy Reid. And Andy is a, a collector car friend of mine, at least through social media. So big wave and shout out. Hey, Andy. Hey, Andy. Doing? We are in kind of uncharted waters here as far as the collector car world goes we're so used to having several big auctions every year we always have scottsdale we always have monterey and thousands and thousands of people show up to look at these cars in person and you know you get to you get to touch you get to feel you get to see and with things as they are right now we're not getting to do all of that and something that Vern said last year you know, our, my, our other sometime host, Vern Estes. Uh-huh. God, I hate telling him he's right. That just bugs me. <laughs> I'm watching you turn red as you try to say Vern- it out loud. <laughs> this, this is through gritted teeth. Vern said last year that he thought the collector car auction market would eventually go to the bring a trailer format. Uh-huh. And I can see why he's right, because it eliminates so much overhead and makes it easier. You know, the cars don't all have to be centrally located. You can take a picture of it wherever, just online. But it's, damn, he might be right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Andy Reid says, uh, you know, distance buying with no inspection is new for a lot of people. Yeah. But uh, a number of us have been rolling the dice with classic car purchases like these over the years. He says it's, it's always a bit of an adventure. We've had pretty good luck. My dad's done this several times. I've done it a few times. And it's one of those where you're always sitting there thinking, gee, I hope I'm right. Gee, I hope I'm right. Gee, I hope I'm right. There are ways to ensure that you are. Number one, make sure the car is real. Call and talk to a real person. The owner, not the friend of the owner. Get a picture of the title. Make sure he has one, he or she. Uh, Recent pictures of the car. An idea is if you can get them to hold up a newspaper with a date on it in the picture of the oh, car. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Just uh, th- this way, you know, that the pictures are recent, uh, that th- there is a real title. It is a real car. Uh, all of those things. Before you swipe pictures, right. <laughs> if, if, the, if the seller is honest and they really do want to sell the car, Get them to take pictures. Take pictures of yeah. every bit of it. Yep. They're rockers and, and the fenders if it's a metal car. Corvettes don't have that problem. You look for other stuff. You look for solid frame. Engine bay, interior, floor pans. Have them pull back the carpets and the mats. Make sure the thing doesn't, you know, make sure that when you get it, you don't find out the floor's made out of an old stop sign. <laughs> I've done that. Yeah. I've done that, by the way. <laughs> <Been there. laughs> don't. But have them take lots and lots of pictures. And like I said, have them take a newspaper with a date on it and hold it up. That way, you know, that picture was taken that day, not 10 years ago. Um, find an expert who lives close by. And with websites like Bring a Trailer, uh, usually the people who are commenting on the car, you'll get at least one or two guys on there that say, hey, I live five miles down the road. If you want me to go inspect it on your behalf, I will. So find an expert. Um, find 
a club that's for that car in the area and ask them, are you familiar with this car? Would you mind taking a look at it? Can you give me a little bit of advice? You'd be surprised to find out how many people are willing to help you out just to make sure you don't get the right, wrong thing. Uh, ask the why, owner why they're selling it. Now, sometimes it'll be because of health and sometimes it'll be, I need the money, can't afford to have it, lost my storage, don't have a place to keep it. I want to get a different project, stuff like that. But ask them. Ask them why they're selling it. Of all the ones that were on that list, that was the one that I kind of went, because eh, most of the time, I don't care. I, yeah. I, bluntly put, and I mean it with no disrespect, but I really don't care why you're selling it. Do I well, want it? the third time it caught fire. <laughs> there is that. Maybe I'm just stupid and naive. I just want it so bad. I don't want to know anything bad about it. Don't tell me anything. Uh, just make it shiny. Make it shiny. Well, an another part of asking to see a copy of the title is making sure that the title doesn't have a brand on it. Oh yeah. 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 It doesn't say rebuild or reconstructed or anything like that or state issued titles. That's scary too. Yeah. Um, state issued title means I lost it or I couldn't get it certified or in the case of that 63 Impala I had in 63 Chevy built a handful of Impalas in Canada and they didn't put the VIN plates in the same place. Oh, so the tags were located in different places and state of Kansas came real close to telling me I couldn't title the thing until they got an expert in there to find the other tag. So, <laughs> Oh, uh, Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah. to be aware of. Um, ask the seller to tell you everything about the car and then don't say anything. Yeah. Listen to them. Uh, guys like you and I are real chatty. It's yeah, you notice to, that, huh? <laughs> to shut up, you know. Uh -huh. It's tough for us to do one of these where you just yeah, go, cover your go, mouth and go, don't go. say crap. That's why I was a lousy car salesman. <laughs> I couldn't yeah, shut you, up. You, you, you got to listen. You really got to listen. Yep. And uh, the last rule, and like I said, th these are all the same rules you would have any other time. Don't be afraid to walk away. That's you can fall in love with something and just be hooked. And God knows I have this happen at least three times a year yeah. and where you, you're ready to pull the trigger and something in the back of your head, uh, a BS meter, something, so, yeah. some, Bing. some Bing. gland in the back of your head says, no dummy, uh, 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 uh. don't do this. Don't do this. You're going to wind up sacrificing your children. Don't. <laughs> Don't be I, afraid to walk away. I do have that uh, that slight alarm going off in the back of my head about this 64 Merc. And I just looking at it, I want it so bad, but I'm like, ah, something. We, we fall in love with this stuff and we want it so bad and we want it to work. And sometimes you're trying to make something fit that doesn't fit. You're yeah. trying to make your dream fit when it doesn't fit. And then your dream's riding up on you. <laughs> so. Don't nope. force your dream to fit. <laughs> Beware of the dream thong. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, great <laughs> advice from it. And thank you, Andy. Appreciate uh, appreciate the share. Absolutely. Thank you, Andy. RobReport.com. There's a 63 Corvette to a 69 Mustang. Speaking of auctions, Barrett Jackson's online-only auction uh, is going to flex some uh, classic American muscle, which is still nice that they're even planted. They moved it. Yeah, I'm really happy to see this. Barrett Jackson earlier uh, during this the lockdown and everything it canceled everything for the rest of the year oh and God. i was just crushed to see that because i hit a couple of good barrett jackson sales here you know that one, one i hit in las vegas last year where 
uh, Ford let me go drive the that Ford oh, GT, yeah. and I got to I got to meet uh, all those cool people, Mike Joy and Adam Ferrar and everybody. Man, that was that was one of my best sales all year last year, and I went to a bunch. Uh-huh. So glad to see that Barrett Jackson is going to be back in the saddle, so to speak. They're going to do an online only auction now. It's running May eighth through the seventeenth. They'll offer roughly seventy five cars. Barrett Jackson often gets some of the best stuff. They get yeah. such neat stuff. And uh, their Palm Beach auction, uh, they had bumped from April to October. Nobody knows whether or not they're going to do the Northeast auction that they usually do at Mohegan Sun. That was originally slated for June. I'm really, really, really hoping that they'll still do the Vegas auction this year. I don't know if they will, but they are going to do this online auction. It's coming up here just next week uh, or the week after next. May 8th through the 17th. Man, they've got cool stuff coming up. Like you said, that 63 vet, that's first yeah. first mid-year, uh, first year Stingray body style. Might be a split window. Oh, those are so stupid sexy. <laughs> they said their, their online-only event features a fairly diverse array of vehicles, but they're going to have some of the most prolific and popular collector cars. 68 Shelby GT500 convertible. 69 Ford Mustang Boss 29, of which they only made a handful. And one of the most glorious lies about horsepower output ever. They underrated that thing so (laughs) disgustingly. And 63 Chevy Corvette Custom Split Window Coupe. I believe I've seen pictures of this bad boy. Very pretty resto mod. Those things, uh, oh, oh, okay. I I have to quit thinking about it. Anyway. <laughs> no, the the thing, this online auction, what's kind of odd about it, which a lot of us who, well, I've recently started following them. You know, I sat down for an hour and a half just watching an auction, watching them go across and across and across. Mm-hmm. And it's surprisingly entertaining, not to mention some of the cars are just like, sweet mother of God, come home to Papa. Oh, yeah, but, uh, absolutely. They What was it? Uh, Barrett Jackson Scottsdale auction earlier this year had over 1,900 lots offered without a yeah. reserve. And from what I was reading in this article, this online auction will have 75. Yeah. yeah. 75 cars, not um, 1,900. It'll be curious to me to see whether or not those 75, when they come up, I don't know if there's any kind of pent-up demand, but I'll, I'm kind of wondering if people are going to go nuts and really bid these up. It is curious. They've been getting really good results from their online auctions. Uh, there was another article I read that uh, had talked about how a lot of cars are changing hands privately through brokers, but mm-hmm. they're, it's all being done kind of behind the scenes for big, big money. We're talking, you know, the 750s. Up to $900,000, and they're just kind of crossing palms quietly. So the the market is still alive. It's just, it's it's in a whole, it's wearing a whole different set of clothes. Again, I hate to admit that Vernon might be right, (laughs) but it sounds like he probably is. I've uh, been talking to uh, another auction analyst from Sports Car Market, a friend of mine named B. Mitchell Carlson, and there's lots of stuff that uh, they're doing an online only format but he's going and checking these cars out and he says there's a lot of stuff out there so i think this may be i don't think we're ever going to get rid of the in person because like i said you like to go and see and feel and smell and touch and all of that if this keeps barrett jackson moving and keeps other auction houses moving who would normally have only done their auctions through a uh in a, in a live format with all the cars centrally located 
hey, more power to them. I'm happy to see them do it. You do lose something not being able to touch and feel and see, but you can also do the research on these cars and yeah. find out what the history is. And most of them have fairly extensive uh, picture collections uh, all around and frequently videos uh, and, of well, running and, driving. And most of the big houses do a really good job of vetting everything that comes to them. Barrett Jackson's particularly fond of talking about the work they do to check the car in the background. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad to hear they're doing it. I was sad when they had canceled their their entire schedule, but it sounds like they may have a couple opportunities to do a little bit of business, and I'm happy for them. As a side note uh, from Bloomberg.com, I found an article that was involving this change in dynamic from in person to online. And one of the things they quoted was uh, founder Randy Nonnenberg from Bring a Trailer. uh, From Bring a Trailer. He uh, was saying yesterday was our largest traffic day ever and four out of five best days ever for traffic have been in the past week. Uh, That was on April 8th. Bring a Trailer has seen normal sell-through rates of roughly 70% through the spring, 70% of their vehicles. For the first week of April, sales were 95% of what they were the first week of March. So on that day that uh, that the interviewer spoke to him, a 1976 Porsche 930 Turbo Carrera in Sahara Beige sold for $110,000. That's solid money for that car. We'll change the kind of like how you and I are talking right now. We'll change the dynamic of the contact, but not the uh, the richness of the experience. Hopefully, so. Yeah, and 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 one more time for the record, Vern, you were right. <laughs> Damn it! Find links to these stories and more on our blog at RoadMuscleRadio.com. And coming up in our second segment, a guy joins us to talk about his YouTube sensationator as experienced through the Garden Hose TV three thousand, known as our computers. Why am I talking like that? You're going to find out. He saves cars from the scrapyard and helps us laugh at it all along the way in Vice Grip Garage. Stick around. More Road Muscle Radio is coming up. We're back with Road Muscle Radio. You can find us on the web at roadmuscleradio.com, on Twitter at Road Muscle Radio, and on Facebook uh, at Road Muscle Radio. If you have questions, comments, and concerns, send it to driver at roadmuscleradio.com. Now, our special guest today, uh, we're going to talk to a guy. <laughs> I learned how to do my breaks from YouTube videos. Uh, it, uh, and it was a hard process, but I had my little laptop out with me and I had my, uh, 2008 Silverado jacked up and I, I learned how to do the discs. Now the drums, I haven't been adventurous enough cause you got to go get the little rental, whatever tools and stuff from, uh, from O'Reilly's or advanced auto parts or wherever. And I just, I, I wasn't that brave, but the, the discs looked easy and pretty much were, and I only screwed up like twice. So learning from that. Uh, I also started doing YouTube videos, learned to replace my kids' Honda Accords rear wheel hubs. Well, that came from YouTube. And it's not often, though, and I can attest to this, it's not often you learn what a sparkulator is or a, a, a rigger upper 200, an exhaustilator, an outlet maker, ace of base sauce, and how to speed lighten your car by strategically grown rust. So... I didn't know that, but a guy can teach you that. And it's not just any guy. It's a guy. But listen with caution, because in his own words in his YouTube series, I'm an idiot. Do what I do at your own risk. Don't take my advice unless you're really super desperate. I was. This isn't necessarily educational as it is more for uh, entertainment from Vice Grip Garage. Derek Bieri, welcome to Road Muscle Radio. 
Yellow, how goes it? The stuff that I have gotten from your videos, little uh, gems of wisdom, like, so my plan is, I don't have one. Uh, another one was, I like to go big. You're not wrong that way. <laughs> and then you had the tech terms, an exhaustolator. What's that? Yeah, that's your exhaust. You know, that or just something you don't know. <laughs> it exhausts you. Uh, when you Zeus it, what is, what is that, Derek? Uh, Zeusing is welding. You know, it's some sort of magical science. You just, you can't explain it. It's like a staff of <laughs> Zeus that just magically melts it together. And you know what? I don't Zeus it. I screws it. I have tried to weld, and as God is my witness, I can burn a hole in anything, but I can't put two pieces of metal together to save my soul. Um, Mark's had several offers, offers from uh, Swiss cheese companies. I have. I've had companies want me to take cars apart for them. We've seen the work you've done. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for nothing. Now, you learn about more things as you watch his many, many videos. Uh, there's an outlet maker, which is a generator. You've got the tire along machine, an air compressor. The Ace of Base sauce I mentioned earlier, that's paint thinner. Sparkulator is spark plugs. And I think you've got two different ones because I think when you were working on your red truck, Derek, there was a uh, a Rigger Upper 400, which I think was a bigger one. Uh, the Rigger Upper 200 is a piece of two-by-four to keep your hood from falling on your head. Now, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering, Derek, uh, along with your show, are you going to be offering either an online or a printed phrase book? That goes along with us so we can all figure out a vocab outline. You know, I've been approached by, you know, not to brag, but several book companies. And, you know, we're talking about a glossary or maybe a, they call it a Tyrannosaurus or a Thesaurus or something like that. But <laughs> anyway, we might, we might get fancy and put all this down into the literature books. Now, a guy works in a garage somewhere in Wisconsin. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your day job when you're not really busy uh, uh, filming everything you do with some car that really is shocking that it can even run? Yeah, I mean, basically, all my day is full of junk. But the part that you guys see is just me filming the junk. The part that you don't see is getting the junk ready to film the junk. So, <laughs> seven days a week, I'm searching for cutting myself on or smashing junk to get it to the point to film. Basically we fix on and stable up some other rigs and we sell those on the side. And then we bring a lot of them to the channel that are just, you know, they're fun or different, but we also snip them on the line too and sell them. So we end up keeping maybe two or three out of 10 just to have around, you know? Yeah. Maybe a 53 Hemi to be able to drive on a frozen pond. Yeah, you never know when you just got to go sip on a Diet Coke and wheel around the lake, you know. You got to have them cars around. <laughs> now, what was your first experience working on cars? Is this something you've done since you were a kid, or is it a little more later in life? It, it kind of grew on me out of necessity. I I grew up dirt poor on a farm, and the first memories I have is my dad and grandpa. Same thing, everything was a Schwarzenegger, a Dubobbit. And whenever he'd ask for a tool, I'd spend 20 minutes looking for something that didn't exist. But I think the first memory I had was working on my dad's 56 Buick. We went down some tree rows and we, we borrowed a four-barrel intake and carburetor off a <laughs> Buick Century and we snipped that onto his car. And I think that day I got to do more than just hold a light. I got to chase <laughs> tools around. 
It's kind of funny, isn't it? My dad, uh, we did a, uh, the brake lines on a, on a 55 Plymouth that I had. That was my first car. You know, we worked it together and he kind of walked and talked me through. And then years later, he told me the story of when I was trying to hook up a radio. I had an eight track tape player and it was, you know, six volt positive ground negative charge. And I had to get a radio shack converter and then wired up backwards and this and that. Apparently I was having trouble because, uh, he told me that he went back into mom giggling and mom said, you know, what's going on? He said, I didn't know Mark knew those kind of words <laughs> you've been standing out there for a little bit listening to me talk to that radio and tell it what i really thought of it and uh, I, i'm i'm waiting for the part where you said that uh you found cheap red wire and so you wired everything with it <laughs> no i worst mistake i made though was uh, i took out the it had a working tube filco radio that could pick up jesus that thing was just an amazing radio and of course i took it out to monkey with it because i was stupid and i had uh one of those uh um, battery chargers that i had sitting on the table at home and i hooked oh, it up no. to that but then i sat that metal chassis right on top of the of the uh, battery charger, which was metal mm. and 12 volt uh, ground, and it just smoked those tubes. And I was like, "No!" Uh, I, I thought you were going to tell us another welding story where you actually fused two things together. I did. I welded the tubes right into that chassis. <laughs> I had an ignomious start. <laughs> Watching some of your videos there, Derek, on Vice Grip Garage on YouTube, I noticed that you've been mixing in some of the family. Saw that one that you worked with your, your son with the uh, truck, and that was just fun. And I noticed your wife is getting in the mix. Is she a wrencher too? Uh, she actually is. Yeah, um, it's a little shy at first. She didn't want to get on the digital machine or whatever. But it's we try to do this stuff as a family. That way, I'm not out in the shop or garage by myself 14 hours a day. You know, so the kids like it. The wife likes it, and we just we're starting to get along. I mean, we've got our own language. <laughs> so when I look at her and tell her to hand me the Dubob 200, she knows what I'm talking about. You know, but it took quite a few years of training to get to that point, though. What's the criterion or selection process for finding the vehicles that you go out and get, whether it's on eBay or in some yard? I mean, how do you find these things? You know, there's there's a lot of different ways. Usually it's, you know, after about 15 cold snacks on any given evening. <laughs> and cold and snacks just, are? Well, they're adult beverages. There you, you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. My kids still think caramel drinks are, they're pouring caramel into my soda pops, but it's, you know, of course it's whiskey. But, um, so I'll, I'll just message a person and say, hey, I'm looking at your junk car. And they go, yeah, it's really bad. And I say, when's the last time it run? And they'll say, you know, 15 years ago. And I'll say, perfect. I'll take it. <laughs> Do you want to know anything? This is, nope. I'll show up tomorrow. But I mean, honestly, it's just, does it have a title? Hopefully. And then I like the really bad ones, you know, that you can just, you can smell them through the phone when you're looking at them, you know. <laughs> yeah, it kind of provides that challenge, you know, will I live? I don't know. You get right there on that edge of that cliff and you realize what life is all about. Does this car come with a tetanus shot? <laughs> what is the scariest rescue you've ever driven home? Yeah, you know, I think it'd be recently that, that Chevelle painted like the flag we picked up in Indianapolis over there. Thankfully, to my benefit, I did not do a proper inspection before I left because when yes. I did one after I got home, it was really bad. I, <laughs> I genuinely don't know how the front tires didn't fall off. To the point, I actually out loud talking to myself that, you know, maybe I should not do this this time. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that. 
It's a, <laughs> I, I watched the video uh, when you first released it, you had kind of that watch waiting party, which was really cool. And then the video started and seeing you work on this thing outside of a, a motel room, uh, just to get it rolling was amazing in the first place. And then when you got it back and you got that light underneath, what was it that made it so dangerous that you didn't really know about? There was a thing you discovered. <laughs> well, the the frame seemed to have had, you know, these football size holes in them. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of a, you know, it's a flexi body. It just goes down <laughs> the road, kind of floats. There's really no rigidity to it. It kept the doors shut when you're driving because you couldn't open them up. They were jammed shut once you sit in the thing. So that's oh, safe. Oh, my God. I think that's what's known as Calflex, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's the most terrifying one. What was your most fun video? The one that you were like, this is the best day ever. Oh, you know, uh, probably on the on the channel would be the 66 Chevelle. And that was another last minute thing. I was going to shoot back home to the farm up in North Dakota for the 4th of July. We do that every year. We make a racetrack around our gravel pit and race cars to death. And I thought, you know, if I'm going there anyway, I'm going to drag an engine with me, buy some random car without one, plop that engine in, and then drive it home. So the night before, I built an engine in my garage with some spare parts laying around, spit on it a couple times, threw it in the back of the truck, drove up there, and then... We had a lot of fun. There's fireworks and cold snacks and destruction. And then last minute, we threw it in a Chevelle I found, and we drove it home. But that was a lot of fun because my nephew was involved and all my kids and family and oh, so all we, that stuff. And we made it, actually. And you survived. That, that's always a nice ending. Yeah. You know, and that's also one of the things that amazes me about your videos. Even though you're funny and you've got that kind of down – you're just a guy, uh, a guy who works on cars, and yet – there's a hidden skill set, and you don't even have to address this, but there's a, there's such a skill set behind all that. And listening to the things you talk about for the positioning of a piston and what's written on one end or the other to no versus top versus bottom and this and that and the other. And you snip an engine into a car you found and drive it home <laughs> after that weekend. And that's after beers. Pretty amazing. Now, we're here with uh, Derek, known as a guy, the mechanical extraordinary Danical. <laughs> I, I tried to do some of your stuff, and it was really hard. Uh, on the hit YouTube series, <laughs> Vice Grip Garage. Now, he's got millions of views and all kinds of adoration from DIY wrenchers and enthusiasts alike. Funny stuff, along with, like I just talked about, amazing skills. Now, if you love first starts and upteen years videos, along with cheap ways to make do with what you do, the guy, a guy, is the guy. Now, You've got 231,000 subscribers. What do you think makes your videos so popular? Or did I just blat it all out in one, you know, fanboy uh, segment? I don't know how this works, <laughs> man. Um, you know, I guess from what people tell me is there, there's kind of different niches of auto shows on the TV box. And a lot of them, and they're good people, but man, they, they got the most expensive tools and they're putting on $1,800 heads and $600 camshafts. And I think that I just, you know, I, I'm more relatable to most people out there because I'm legitimately on a budget and I have junk tools and everything I have is hand-me-down or used or whatever. And I don't have lifts or anything fancy. So I think that's more relatable. And then the other thing that I hear a lot is, Again, there's channels out there and they're good people and 
know, but they overcomplicate things and there's a lot of details and maybe it's decisiveness. I'm not sure, but I'm going to show you how to just get junk running this bare minimum. If we could just be lazy and just make the thing move and you can do the rest of the stuff later, you know, and I think people kind of dig that too. Diesel oil. Why so much? I've seen you use it left and right, and I'm just amazed. What's the secret behind that? The secret sauce behind My dad used to race uh, dirt track when I was a kid, so there's a little bit of my background. I was changing out sparkulators when I was eight years old because I'd fit under the hood. He could just pop me down there with a wrench, and I'd have them all busted out by the time he got a bush light down. Uh, diesel oil, there's science in there, dinosaurs and other minerals and things like that, and there's this magic thing called a viscosity index. And there's great oils out there, and I won't name any, you know, brand names, but right. if you take like a 1540, very expensive synthetic oil, there's a viscosity index of like 139, 140, 145. If you take an off-brand diesel oil, 1540, they're in the 128 to 135 as well, and they're about $114 billion cheaper. <laughs> so you're getting the same performance oil, but it's on a budget. Now, your video channel also has extra content for uh, subscribers. What is that extra content? What's the what's the secret sauce you have behind the door number three? Yeah, so that I, I just thought that would be a fun way to kind of, you know, snip a guy behind the scenes. That's just my daily stuff, you know. So I've got videos on there running errands, picking up parts, tools, actually purchasing some of these vehicles. So. You can kind of see how I negotiate, which I don't really negotiate very well, but, <laughs> you know, there's things like that. Um, moving vehicles around, staging things, you know, all of that kind of behind the scenes stuff that you don't see just in the, you know, cut and edited uh, videos. That's kind of what the members get to see. Your whole family participates in it, or is most of that you uh, moving a tripod around and trying to find camera angles? Uh, that is 109% me. <laughs> And it is exhausting. <laughs> it is. Because to be able to just get the right camera shot, to be able to look in and, and see what you're doing, you got to play with that every time. So I can't imagine how much longer that makes working on an engine. Oh, I, it's it's a full day to change sparkulators out. And I ain't kidding you, guy, because I'll do a scene. I think that's what they're called. Clip, action, a seg, whatever. A thing. <laughs> you hit the button and you record the thing and then you stop it. And then you go back and look, well, my head wasn't even in it. So then you do it again. <laughs> and then you go, well, I forgot to turn my mic on. So now I'm changing the sparkulators for the third time, and it's already 2 o'clock, and I'm hungry. <laughs> it's just, it's a mess. When you're working on engines, what's your favorite engine to work on? Oh, that's a tough question. You know, really, it's just any carbureted overhead valve engine. They just spark and some fire in there and some juice, and they'll run. You get into the electrical digital stuff and the injections and all those little fancy sensors and doodabs. That's where I, I just, I can't, I can't do that. My brain doesn't work that way. So any, for me, it's anything pre-1985. I'm there with bells on. I'll make it happen. You've got a series of videos and it's ongoing right now. Tell us about how you found the, uh, the independence that abandoned Chevelle that hadn't run in 30 years. Part of my nightly gig, which is, you know, you're into the wobble pops until your left eye is just starting to close. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. A familiar. And I'm scrolling through this, yeah, scrolling through the old Chevelle forums because they're one of my 
favorite vehicles. And a guy just posted that. So I shot him a message and I think it was something like pound sign, question mark, and a dollar sign because I was typing fast. You know. And he replied back and said, what? And then I just said, I'll take it. Well, because of my speed, I got the thing, but I wasn't able to ask, you know, does it run or move or have a title or, hey, by the way, does the frame exist? Because none of that, none of that is real. So, but Smoking yeah, mirrors. so that's how that happened. And the next day we talked on the phone and I said, I'm dropping everything. I'm driving there right now. And, uh, the rest of it's, you know, that episode, that was a very spur of the moment deal there. You've also posted that you found some, and I believe it was on Facebook. You found some cool backstory, uh, to the vehicle. Some people sent you some pictures. What all happened with that? Yeah. So I got a message on face space. And uh, a lady said that she was the old owner of the rig and got to talking with her. And this was number 204.5 that said they used to own it. So I kind of was getting to the point where not really believing folks much anymore. But then she started shooting the guy some pictures. And sure enough, that was her car. And it goes way back to her daddy built that for her in the late 80s. And I mean, that thing used to be really sharp it had shine on her and wheels and i mean you name it and um she ended up selling it and unfortunately her father passed away and i told her that i was going to bring that thing back for her just if even for just one big burnout or maybe a jump or something you know so that's what we're doing right now is we're going to sink a stupid amount of money into a car with a broken frame and no title Sounds like the right thing to do. Remember, I like to go big. You're not wrong that way. So you're not yeah. wrong. <laughs> well, you can Good check boy. out uh, a guy at uh, Vice Grip Garage on YouTube. There's also at Vice Grip Garage on Facebook, which I follow. And you get all types of little updates and tips and information. And if you go to vicegripgarage.com, you can wear it and swear it. It's uh, T-shirts, hats. You got koozies, uh, the whole nine yards. And you got a guy who will share just uh, uh, his joy of dead cars and bringing them back to life and, and talking to you about it. And uh, I really want that 53 Hemi so bad it hurts. Oh, that, uh, that's cool. That, yeah, that's... She is a sweetheart. That is a good car. That had some sweet rumble to it. Derek, a guy, thank you so much for speculating some talkatives with us here on Road Muscle Radio. You bet. Thanks for having me. And thank you for sharing your time with us as we yak about grease, gears, and cool car stuff. There's nothing like going on a fun ride, especially when you've got a best bud to share it with. Be sure to visit us on Facebook at Road Muscle Radio, at RoadMuscleRadio.com, and on Twitter at Road Muscle Radio. I'm Catfish Groves. And I am Brett Hatfield. We'll catch you down the road on Road Muscle Radio. Road Muscle Radio.